Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And welcome. This is the Investor Coaching Show. I am Paul Winkler. I always enjoy hanging out with you and talking about the world of finance and what's going on in the news around finance, of course. And the elephant in the room, so to speak, of course, is what has been happening over in Israel. And, uh, you know, I will be talking plenty about just my thoughts regarding investing in times like these. We were talking a little bit before the show started. And, uh, guys, were we ever talking before the show started? We, we, Nick? Were, we were talking, we were talking a lot. <laughs> a little bit of kiss. Mm-hmm. And, and he, it's just the <laughs> three of us going back and forth. I said, Is the show started already? And you guys are like, No, no. But and I said, Well, we were you know, prepping. We, you know, well, work. you know, I, I was looking at the Wall Street Journal and I'm looking at just the headlines on the front page are just, you know, Gaza receives first aid trucks since Hamas attack. Uh, Then you've got Hamas Gaza chief, once prisoner in Israel, is now a dead man walking. And then you have, you know, then you got Matt Gaetz, you know, what's going on in Congress. Isn't sorry he tore the House GOP apart. And then you have... Yeah, then, then, you know, electric cars are already having issues. Then pl- things got political. Chicago is losing supermarkets. Uh, open Operation Air Train had one mission and sounded impossible. I mean, it's just killer. It, it is one thing after another of bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. Um, but then, you know, you look at this and go, who on earth wants to invest in times like these? I guess is a question that goes p- through people's minds. I mean, you guys have been following this stuff, right? Right. And, mm-hmm. and watching what's been going on and going, what? What to think? Part of me is like, I'm just going to take out all my 401k and not care. Yeah, but then I'm like, but that, that's not right. That's not right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you look at the times that we've had in the past. I, I think back, well, you go back a couple thousand years and Paul was saying that people's don't quit your jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know? yeah, right. you don't. You don't work. You don't eat. Uh, you know. So you look at these fears, and they've been around for a long, long time. I remember back in the nineteen seventies. Now, sixties, we had some really crazy stuff, but I wasn't old enough. I was really learning about it in because I born in the mid sixties. I was old enough to be conscious a little bit of what was going on toward the end of the 1960s, but not that great. But the mid-70s, of course, I remember the angst that we had, the Middle East. Matter of fact, I've got a a really interesting article about that very Mm -hmm. thing, how the parallels are uncanny with interest rates and inflation. And I'll talk about that as time goes on. We'll get into that. It is uncanny. I mean, the chart that they had in, I think it was Wall Street Journal, as as I recall that I pulled that one up on, was eerily similar as they put it and then you had of course the same issues going on with oil the same issues going on middle east was really you know in turmoil uh you had elections that were getting ready to happen of course we had carter in the late 70s you had turmoil in the early to mid 70s 
with Nixon and Ford. Then you had Carter, and that lasted all of four years until you know Reagan came in, and then all of a sudden there was a there's a whole different outlook on things at that particular point. But anybody that was around toward the late 70s, I remember it well, begging, begging that I could get a job delivering papers, begging that I could get a job at a Burger King. Really? <laughs> I had to, I had to, oh, Leviticus, I had to know somebody. Hmm. I had to know somebody in management at Burger King to get a job flipping hamburgers. That's how bad it was. And then, you know, trying to get a job cutting grass for somebody, trying to find jobs cutting grass. Because I was pretty industrious. I was out there looking for things, and it was really, really hard. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I would go to interviews. A supermarket, for Christ's sakes. Go to an interview at a supermarket for a job, which is a shoe-in these days, right? Nothing to get a job doing that. You know, if you're halfway conscientious... Even if you're not even halfway, if you're an eighth of the way conscientious, they'll probably give you a job. If you're fogging a mirror, they will give you a job and you couldn't get one. I mean, that it was that bad. And of course, we had a lot of unrest over in the Middle East at the particular point in time as well. You know, not, not, not anything new. Uh, matter of fact, our early 70s, you had this very similar things going on. I remember reading an article a couple weeks back. And it was um, it was about that. It was about Israel back at that particular point in time. But I think for you know me, having been around the block so many times and seeing so many different things that have happened over the past you know fifty years, uh, for me, I've been on the planet for sixty, but only really conscious for <laughs> for fifty of those years and paying attention to anything. It has been a lesson that I don't try to figure out what's going to happen in the future. But I think, you know, when you when we look at this and we go, okay, so what is an investor to do during times like these? I, I received a, a message last night from a good friend and a client. And, you know, he may have he may have thought, I hope he didn't think I was being flippant with my answer uh, to his message. But he had this message to me. It was, what do you think? You know, go check out this video at this particular point. And, you know, at this time, and, and he puts this guy out there and it talks about the U.S. government collapsing and, and, and all of this. And it was very, very doom and gloom. And I'm going, uh, do I really want to subject myself to actually watching this video? So I watched a couple minutes of it. And then I was, no, Paul, you know what you normally do when you see stuff like this? You do know what you do. <laughs> you go and look at the background of the person that's talking. And you find out, is this person credible at all? Well, you're ready. Here's his, here's his bio. The guy was born November 1st of 1949. He's an American self-taught economic forecaster. Now, I've talked about professional economic forecasters and their ability just to predict interest rate direction. And I've actually talked about how studies show that when they looked at how well they actually predict which ways interest rates are going to go. Are they going to go up or are they going to go down? You got 50-50 shot, right? They're going to go up. They're going to go down. 50-50 shot. You can guess up. And then if it's down, you're on the wrong 50% side. Well, they found there was something like 70, 73% or something like that of predictions were wrong. Now, you wait a minute. You got a 50-50 shot and 70, 70 plus percent of the time you're wrong. There's something wrong with that. But anyway, this guy is a self-taught economic forecaster. 
And here's the really fun part. You ready for this? Convicted felon who spent 11 years in jail for cheating investors out of $700 million and hiding $15 million in assets from regulators. Now, is this somebody you want to go and say, hey, what do you think is going to happen in the future? And you want to sign up for his new newsletter? Or do you want to sign up for what he tells you you need to do with your money? I don't think you do that. And I think so often what we do, commentary here, we do not look into where we're getting information from. We don't study these things. We take somebody's word for it on social media. We take somebody's word for it on the internet. You know, somebody says, so-and-so says this, we think this is going to happen. And we don't look at the fact that 93%, 97, 95, just depends on what week you look at it, of professional managers can't get higher returns than what the market does on its own. And somehow we think there is going to be somebody that does have that ability now. I don't think so. Somebody is going to tell us what's going to happen because what you're missing is human behavior. Human behavior is this. We somehow are all self-actualizing as much as we possibly can be. We look for what is going on out there, and then we go and change our own behavior based on whatever we think is going to help us survive. We're basically designed to do that. And what happens is something doesn't look good to us, we'll change our behavior. Now, in the case of if you're running a company, you know, I've talked about this before, you're figuring out, okay, well, you know what, people are doing this right now. You know, the things that we're selling right now, it's not going to be in demand because, you know, let's say luxuries are what you do as a company and people are maybe nervous. Well, you go into looking for other things that people will have to buy just because they need that to survive. And if you can't do that, then you'll just lay off staff. That's what's happening all around the country right now, as a matter of fact. We're hearing it, little secret layoffs in areas that are cutting back. I've talked to, I can't tell you how many people this week, and that has been the case. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and I was talking to one of my guys in here, and he was talking about the layoffs in the banking industry. And, you know, and, which is ironic if you think about it, because people are saying, hey, you know, let's go put our money in a bank. And I'm going, ah, really? Uh, then you hear people say, you know, I think I'll put my money in treasuries. And I go, oh, you know, did you hear that they're thinking about downgrading treasuries? <laughs> you know, that doesn't seem like a really good idea. And, and you go, well, now I'm thinking about buying real estate. And I go, oh, have you looked at interest rates lately? You know, have you looked at what's been going on in real estate and, the, and my son and I, we were talking about that affordability of real estate right now. And he's like, oh, Dad, it's just not affordable. It's just not affordable. And he was really, really, I, you know, people my age, we just can't afford a piece of property. And, and he's going on and on and on. And I said, He's right. He's right. And I said, you know, I said, I, back in when I bought my, my wife and I bought our first house. Bought our first house. It was like $74,000. And, um, you know, you, you look at it and it was but that was, and you say, wow, that was cheap. And I, and I go, no, it was actually very expensive when we bought that house. It was hard and it was only a, a, a 1,050 square foot house. And what people somehow think is that they ought to be able to buy something that is much, much larger than that. 
And, uh, you know, because that's what the median is and we want to keep up with the Joneses. But the reality of it is, is everybody's got to start somewhere. But you, you look at what interest rates were back when I did that. It was in the neighborhood of where they are right now. It's exactly where they are right now. Now, interest rates were much higher in other period periods of time previously. You know, so we go, I can't afford, I can't afford, I can't afford. And I said, buddy, let me just tell you something. If it lasts that long that we can't afford, and it just takes a little time, real estate has longer cycles than other things do. You know, we think about the stock market, it moves, bam, just like that. When changes come about, stock markets move immediately, just about. Bond markets like less than 30 seconds when new information comes out. It's, it's really fast. Real estate, it takes a little bit longer. And it may be as a function of, you know, the general public is who's buying it and general public's opinions change slowly or gradually they tend to change. And what happens is if, if it comes, becomes too unaffordable and I can't do this anymore, so mark my words, real estate prices come down. They simply will come down because if somebody can't afford or a great number of people can't afford something anymore, then, and you've got to get out of that house, you've got to sell it. You know, somebody's passed away. They, they're not around anymore. They're not residing in the house anymore. It's empty. And you're the heirs of the estate. What are you going to do? You're going to drop the price, drop the price, drop the price until it sells. And he brought up, you know, corporate buyers. And he says, oh, corporate buyers, corporate buyers. And I said, that's news. That's kind of older news. Because what happened was corporate buyers were buying so much of the property that has slowed down significantly. And it's slowed down significantly because it's harder and harder to actually get anybody to buy this thing or any to, to securitize this stuff because we've been on a little bit of a losing streak in many areas of real estate. And hence, you can't get investors that want to buy funds that are necessarily investing in this area. And so hence, what is happening is that is drying some of that demand up as well, which eventually dries up other types of demand. And then all of a sudden, and because of you know, people not necessarily being able to afford these things, then all of a sudden you have to drop prices in order to get anybody to be interested. So what is a person to do? You know, as an investor, I look at this and go, this is prime, prime time to make doggone sure you are really diversified. Because if I don't know if treasuries are going to be okay, I don't know if the bank's going to be okay, I don't know if bonds are going to be okay, hence insurance companies because they invest in bonds and real estate. If I don't know that large U.S. stocks are going to be okay, this, you know, and I don't know what areas is going to be okay, I better own a little bit of everything. You know, I even look at commodities and they're all over the place. You know, you'll have a great week, then you'll have a huge drop. And commodities, as I've talked about, commodities, when we're talking about gold, we're talking about Bitcoin, we're talking about cryptocurrencies, any of those types of things. I don't know what's going to happen with any of those things. You know, historically, we've talked about gold a number of times. You go back 100 years, and it's basically kept up with inflation, and it has been incredibly volatile for a very, very low rate of return. High standard deviation for the level of return delivered, and hence, that's not something I want to bet myself on. You know, some people will just say, I'm just going to go out and, and uh, you know, take gardening classes. And that may not be a bad idea. <laughs> you know, figure out something that you can do to take care of yourself, you know, when everything falls apart. But, you know, the, you, but, you know that's, even, that's even kind of tongue in cheek because 
We don't know. We've been, I've, I've had people talk about things getting bad for a long, long time. And this is why, you know, listen, literally when I'm talking to people now and they're bringing in their 401ks and they're going, what do I do with this thing? And I said, let me just show you what the level of diversification is. Here's how you read it. Here's how you look at this. Here's how you read the statement. And they look at it and go, oh my goodness, I better diversify this more because they don't recognize that they're not well mixed until I show them how to read it. This is why you got to understand this stuff. Oh, Nick's, Nick's nodding his head going, yeah, that, I forgot about that, Nick. Yeah, you're right. I did it with him. And, you know, he was looking at his statement and I showed him how to read it. And he was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. I, yeah. I went in and I changed all the percentages and everything and it looks really good now. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot, yes, you know, a lot you. more widely spread. <laughs> hey, this is Paul Winkler. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area and everything that we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get it initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. All right, back here on the Investor Coaching Show. I'm Paul Winkler talking about the world of money and investing. Okay, so just uh, just to switch gears just a little bit, just to keep it interesting, because all of you know that I am into psychology as well and just how to have a, a better life because life is not just about money. I've talked about quite often that more money doesn't mean more happy. What? It doesn't? <laughs> it does not. Hmm. Uh, Solomon actually, you know, had a lot to say about that. As a matter of fact, striving after the wind and those types of things. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, uh, we have an exercise that we do. As a matter of fact, as some of our work, well, our workshops, our big workshops and some of our workshops that we have done traditionally called what's your true purpose for money and the whole idea is just to say hey look money is just a tool to express what's valuable to you you know so the reality of it is is we have to figure out what we value then that helps us direct how we handle our finances you know because quite often we just think i got need got to have more got to have got to have more got to have more and then people strive their entire life and they die with a whole bunch of money and they never had any fun with it so not my idea of a good time <laughs> but i like this article it was in cnbc is if you use any of these six phrases every day you're genuinely happier than most and i like it because some of these things i have a tendency to do myself and my son thought do you really, Dad? Are you really, are you really that warped? I am. Yeah, Andrew, I'm that warped. Uh, <laughs> but the first one was instead of saying, you know, I have to do this, I got to do this, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got to go over here, I got to do. It's I get to, I get to do this, and it was, and I, I liked it because I, I got to go. I have to go check on my screaming toddler, you know, who he thought was asleep. No, it's you get to. Because otherwise you miss the midnight hugs, 
you you miss you know the 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 good times the connection that you have and i i like that i thought that was really good you don't have to do this you don't have to do that you get to do these things and i think that's important to keep that frame of reference so we're Another replacing one, the word got, got to got to have to with i get to okay you know, just going, I get to, there's something good that is going to come out of this. I'm glad you're asking because there's, okay. I always look at everything and go, there's something that is, there is something that I am going to experience that's really, really good. And if it weren't for this negative thing forcing me to do this, then I wouldn't probably go through the effort of doing whatever. And, and you know, what happens is I get forced into positions and I found so often in life that that happens. You know, I get forced into doing something and then all of a sudden there is some really cool thing that comes out of it that wouldn't have happened had I not been forced into that circumstance before. So that I find is very, very true. Uh, like, for example, for me, it was absolutely failing miserably working for a huge insurance company and working for an investment firm and then watching them go bankrupt and literally knowing I got to find something else to do. These guys are going bankrupt. They just got sued. They got their pants sued off for bad investment advice. I got to do something. Thankfully, it wasn't me. <laughs> I, I got to <laughs> right. go do something else, right? Like, huh, and Paul? all of a sudden, that opens up the door to Paul running his own business. That's right. You know, so that, uh, you know, getting getting forced into that was a huge blessing in disguise, but it was miserable while I was going through it. Another wing, what was your rose? You know, I was talking about studies have shown that gratitude, you know, we talk about gratitude, being grateful. And there are things I actually had, you know, I, I'll work with younger people and, and I'll go, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to write down three, three things. I just loved it. I had one guy I did this with. Oh my goodness. Sat down. I says, three good things. What are three thing, three really good things that happened? He goes, oh, we do it at Thanksgiving. And I said, no, let's do it today. <laughs> let's do it right now and he goes okay and I said what are three good things that happened today he goes oh I got to hang with my friends a little bit earlier I, I, I get to go to he's talking about going over to church a little bit later and he says I'm getting to, I'm getting to sit here with you and I was like oh man you, you get some real brownie points for that that's so cool thank you that was awesome and you know it's just being having gratitude is huge and he talks about rose thorn and bud here now and it said it's a little bit quirky but you know a little bit you know you have to a little bit awkward but he says you know rose what's something that you're seeing right in front of you that's a tiny win it doesn't have to be a big deal i found the keys to the shed my principal emailed me a thank you note i got an assist from and hockey you know in hockey at practice uh, our thorn is something that didn't go so well and then the bud is something that you're looking forward to I, i'm really big on that last one i am always to try to keep my my mental attitude decent i am always looking at what that is coming down the road that i can look forward to who i can spend time with where i'm going to go what i'm going to do an event or something like that i'm always thinking about that and i think that that is a huge deal that a lot of times we miss another one is this uh, tell me more and i like this one simply because when we're in conversations with people we feel the pressure to tell them what they ought to do give them advice guide them tell them the solutions to their problems when a lot of times they just want to, they want to talk, they want to hear, they want you to hear them. They want you to kind of listen what's going on in their life and help them process it. You know, so often what happens is when I talk about what's going on, I'm literally just, 
I just want a person to be kind of a, a reflector and put it back so I can think about it a little bit more. I love what, what uh, you know, there's one psychologist put it this way. He said, look, here's the deal. Often I will have people and I'll reflect back to them what they've said because they don't think about what they say. So often when we talk, we're not really thinking about what we're saying. And when somebody reflects back to me what I just said, then I go, no, 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 that's not really, no, that's not how I think. That's, you know, that doesn't make any sense, does it? You know, so it allows us to process things and really think about, and if we can be that person that helps somebody do that, that's pretty cool. I literally just did that with one of my little brothers last night. That's but you have so to get cool. the person when they're not distracted. Well, you got you got to be listening. You have to be that person that cares enough to just be quiet and listen to what's going on, right? Yeah, true. I mean, that's it. But I feel like he was distracted, and then well, he hung up on me. <laughs> oh, that, some of that didn't work so well. No, it <laughs> we won't use that as an example. No, of this. <laughs> but I tried to do that literally last night. The next one was yet. And this is something I've talked about before, The Power of Yet. There was a video, I think it's called The Power of Yet. If I, if I recall, it's on YouTube someplace. But she, th I heard that quite a while ago, and I thought, that's really, really good. And it's, you know, I can't do this. I, you know, I, I'm not qualified to do this. I, I don't, you know, this is something I just, I can't do that. No, you can't do it yet. You're not qualified to do it yet. And just think in terms of maybe not right now, but put some hope into it. And I was telling my son this, and that's what he came up, the word he came up with is, is hope. And then the next thing was, you know, this is going to matter. Is it going to matter a year from now? You know, we get, and this is really impactful for investing. I can't tell you how many times something bad has happened in markets, something bad's happened in the economy, some bad news has come out, some information that has been scary that has come out. And then I say, well... You know, hey, look, this has happened before, but even better yet, will this matter a year from now? And many times we will probably have forgotten completely about the news a year from now. We'll forget about three weeks from now. <laughs> Our attention span is so bad, but it may affect markets right, right now. And then three weeks from now, it's all over. People have forgotten about it. So I think that that's really, really important. Will it matter a year from now? And another thing is, is focus. This is really something that is hard for people. I don't know about you, but one of the things that I have to do in my email is unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. I get so many stinking emails. I get so many text messages. And there was a guy that uh, Kennedy was the guy's name. Dan, Dan Kennedy, I think it's, I think, I'm, I'm trying to think, I think that's who it is. Uh, he would have this idea of focus days, buffer days, and and he would have i forgot the third day i can't remember the, the but focus buffer and it was a down day i can't remember what he called that but in F, in essence what he would do is in his focus or in his buffer 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 days and it was there some other day it's and maybe it's not that but he would prepare one day he would do nothing but prepare for the things that he had to do where he was going to be in productive time it's all he did he spent the entire day in preparation for his focus days and his focus days is where he was really doing what he was paid to do. And then he would have these other days where he would just, there was nothing. You're not getting in between me and my relaxation. I'm doing nothing those days. You know, he was really big on that. And he would break them down in that particular way. But maybe you have a certain time of day that you do nothing but read emails. You have a certain time of day that you read your texts. Because we get distracted all day long. 
Text bing, boom, gets your attention. Email bing, gets your attention. You get something on social media bing, gets your attention. And then what happens, you're never, you don't have any downtime and you end up being a nervous wreck. And I think it's really important to have that kind of thing going on. And that was number six is I will focus on. And it's the idea of just taking one thing and prioritizing everything and going that one thing that's most, that's highest priority and doing nothing but that and just getting yourself to where you're just focusing attention on very few things and instead of being distracted by so many. So I think that's a really good lesson. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors, and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.